Hey folks, and welcome into the Ritz Report. Yeehaw! <laughs> Excuse me. It is uh, September 5th, 2023. Can you believe it? We're into September. Holy cow. Week number 36 of the year. For those of you who are keeping count, when you get to the end of the year and you're throwing back a glass of wine or a brewski and ushering in the new year, you can think to yourself, self, what did I accomplish in 2023? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Clearing my throat there. What are we talking about today? Today is the 5th of September, like I said, and welcome Welcome to the world-famous Ritz Report, the show that's always growing by leaps and bounds. If you're here, you are on the edge of societal evolution. You will know what's happening, when it's happening, and more importantly, what to think about it when it happens. Damn, that's good stuff. Send me your notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com. And as always, check me on the social at Ritz Report. Yeehaw! Good Labor Day weekend. I hope everybody had a good weekend where we celebrate the American worker. Those of you out there that are working hard and doing your thing, I know the economic news is not great, and you go to the grocery store and you spend, I don't know, $200 for two bags of groceries, <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch TV and you see Kamala Harris and Joe bite me out there telling you how everything's great, and we have, uh, you know, the economy and Bidenomics is just crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how Biden is. We choose truth over facts. Yes, we sure do. Uh, but Labor Day, I hope everybody had a nice Labor Day. Nice long weekend bringing us here into the fall down here in sunny South Miami. I will say that it was a beautiful weekend. Wasn't hot as it's been. It was really hot there a few weeks ago for like a month. Really friggin' hot. But uh, now the weather's nice, although it is not being from the Northeast as I am from the Northeast. It's not being in the Northeast in the fall. That was the best time of year in my mind to be in the Northeast where you get to break out the sweatshirts and you get to break out the sweaters and you see the uh, the foliage start to change color. And it was just a great time to be in the Northeast. That's the one thing I think that I do miss about the Northeast. I don't miss the snow. The only thing the snow was good for was skiing. Other than that, it just creates a mess and a lot of work. Um, so I don't miss the snow and I don't really miss the cold colds generally end of January into February and March, especially February is cold up there in the Northeast. That's probably the coldest time and into March and by March, you're like done. You're like ready. It's like, can the spring come now? Can we have some warm weather? Can the sun come out and melt all this stuff and we can just get on with our lives where the flowers come back out? Uh, so Labor Day was nice. Um, you know, when the, uh, Marxists, the, 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 the uh, whenever I think of Labor Day, I think about like Marxism and people that have, that have promoted that ideology and the idea that the proletariat, which was going to be, which is the working class, um, uh, would, would rise up against the capitalists, right? Because they were having such a terrible, a terrible way about living their lives that they couldn't get ahead, that they were constantly suffering. And because they were constantly suffering, they were going to rise up against the, the corporatists. And essentially they were going to have, you know, a, a Marxist revolution and they were going to lead everybody into utopia. And of course that, that never happened and never happened here in the United States because capitalism, it works, Right. I mean, we've seen that the United States has become the most affluent, the most powerful country on the face of the planet in less than 300 years. And it only happened because of freedom and capitalism. 
And those people in the middle class and even the people on the lower rungs, whatever quintile you happen to be in, uh, with the earnings that you have, so there's five levels of wealth, the quintiles of wealth, whatever earnings that you have, you you depending upon where you are in your life, you potentially go in and out of those quintiles. And it's not a zero-sum game. It's not as though you know somebody passes from quintile two to three, and then somebody passes from three to two. It's a super dynamic system that's always readjusting and changing itself. And you may go to the top quintile. There are many people that have gone to the top quintile to make a ton of money and then they blow it all and they end up back, you know, in the first or second quintile and then they do it again. Uh, There are some people that just have the ability to do that. But the proletariat, those people that were supposed to rise up and take over the corporatists, they never did that sort of thing because their quality of living was actually quite good. It was actually quite good. Um, there were times, and actually uh, there was a strategy called the Cloward Piven strategy that was developed in 19, what was it? I think it was the mid to late 60s, 65, 66, if my memory serves. So the Cloward Piven strategy was put together by two uh, political scientists, Richard Andrew Clowen and Francis Piven. And the idea from the Cloward Piven strategy was to force political change through orchestrated crisis. So essentially, they wanted to overwhelm the social safety net to the point where it would collapse. And then you would have all those people that were depending upon that social safety net demanding change. And it would bring about that essentially Marxist revolution. Uh, They used it to great effect in New York in the 70s. And they actually pushed New York toward bankruptcy. And when Mayor Giuliani was president, I'm sorry, not president, when Mayor Giuliani was mayor of New York, (laughs) uh, yes, (laughs) when he was mayor of New York, he actually spoke to the fact that uh, that New York was brought to its knees by the Cloward-Piven strategy and that we could never return uh, to that sort of situation again. Although, as we see with the upheaval that's currently happening across the country, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things shake out. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the EU. The EU is on a mission to self-destruct with their whole net zero policy. And the fact they want to go to zero and we should take note of what's going on over there here in the United States, because truly believing in this climate change thing, like truly believing it, like don't think you're just going to like recycle and drive a Prius and you're good. Because that's, that's not what the, what the real true believers of climate change have in mind. This whole thing is a death cult, right? There are, there are people who are saying it out loud that there are way too many people on the planet. And one of the things we need to do is, A, stop driving these vehicles that we're driving and stop flying and stop using as many uh, carbon-based fuels as we can. And then what else do we need to do? We need to stop eating the way that we're eating. And when they finally get around to it, they just say, generally, there's really just too many people on the planet. What's weird to me about the whole thing is like, if you're a true believer and you're the person who's going to go to the mat saying that we are all going to die because of global warming, that we have a global warming bump. Play it. Global warming. Oh, yeah. Uh, good times. But if you're a person out there and you're really promoting global warming and you're pushing it hard and people are part of the problem, like, dude, take one for the team. Be a martyr for this global warming initiative that you so strongly believe in. 
Stand up there and listen, there are going to be some people on, on the planet who applaud you. Those are the people that are, you know, gluing themselves to roadways and gluing themselves to tarmacs and chaining themselves to things. Those people who are sitting in traffic, I bet you they will give up and give you a standing O if you come out, give, put out a video on Instagram or YouTube and talk about how you're, you're doing this for the cause and more people should follow your lead. And dude, just go for the ultimate. If you think there needs to be less people, let's have one less person. You be the guy to get the trend started. You be the guy to get the trend started. But uh, yeah, global warming is a death cult and the EU is on a self-destruct mission. So we'll talk about that as we move through the program here. The Biden administration is remaking the chessboard of the world, in case anybody hasn't noticed. There are reports now that Kim Jong-un will be traveling to Russia by armored train. Why armored train, I wonder? Why would he be traveling by armored train? Not by car, not going to go, not going to fly. Like we're going to, we're going to go by armored train. seems like kind of a strange way to travel <laughs> across the country. I mean, trains have been around what? We were building the trains in the transcontinental railroad here in the late 1800s. So we're talking about a technology that's over a hundred years old. There's better ways to travel, Kim. Like you can do it, dude. There's, you, you don't have to take a train. You could take a plane. You could take a helicopter. You could take some other means of transportation that's more efficient than a train. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's traveling across uh, North Korea to Russia, and they're going to meet uh, he and Putin. And Putin apparently wants North Korea to supply weapons to Russia for use in Ukraine. So the Biden administration, just if we're, if we're like keeping score, of what they have accomplished. They are remaking the world's chessboard. We have pushed Russia and China together. Now we are pushing North Korea and Russia together. Could we get more people that don't like the United States pushed together? And the Biden administration seems to be facilitating all of it. I wonder if I wonder if the Biden administration and the folks that work in there like Kirby and all of these other losers that work in the Biden administration will like actually put together the hors d'oeuvres so when all of our enemies get together, they can uh, have something nice to eat. If we step back and just sort of marvel at what the Biden administration has accomplished, right? To reiterate, they pushed China and Russia together. Now they're pushing North Korea and Russia together. They're responsible for the overwhelming growth of BRICS in the last couple of years. Look at mortgage rates through the roof, higher than they've been probably in some of your lifetimes. Certainly, you know, 25 years, 20 years, whatever it might be. Food prices are through the roof, like we mentioned. I went shopping over the weekend, walked out of I know it's Whole Foods. I know it's very bougie. I shouldn't be going to Whole Foods. I should be going to, I don't know, Winn-Dixie. Uh, I should be going to, where should I be going? I don't know, Publix. You are one <laughs> pathetic loser. Going to Publix, but I, there are certain things that I like to get at, uh, at Whole Foods. I will say Whole Foods, the fruit at Whole Foods is money. They have the best fruit. You pay for it. But uh, it's a very, very good fruit. So food prices, three bags coming out of Whole Foods was like 220 bucks, like crazy, crazy. Gas prices now back on their way back up. I'm actually reading and I, I'm reading a book now about Afghanistan. Uh, it's called Kabul. And it is, I mean, th there are so many things that the Biden administration has screwed up. They have made such a mess of everything that they've touched. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, uh, such a mess of every single thing that they've touched that it's hard to really appreciate. So I'm reading this book about Kabul and what a complete and utter disaster it was. And this book gives you a lot of information because we all remember, remember watching on the news and you see the C-17s and they're on the tarmac and there's all the Afghans and flip-flops running alongside the plane and they're trying to hold on as the thing takes off. There's like a whole backstory to what created that entire incident 
that the media never told anyone about? How did all those people end up on the runway? Like you think about a, you think about a airport in a war zone, right? Generally, you're not going to be able to get onto the tarmac. So how did all those people get onto the tarmac? In this book, it talks about how all of the perimeter defenses around the airport collapsed. Collapsed. So they had they they called it the night of the zombies. You had Marines and and Army SF guys, special forces there, trying to hold back hordes and hordes and hordes of people that were going to the airport to try to find a way out of the country. And they have to put set up a perimeter, a physical perimeter with their bodies. They can't shoot all these people because they're civilians. They have no way to hold them back. So they're using sticks. They're shining the uh, lasers from their M4s. They're like trying to hit them in the eyes with them to try to distract them. They're doing all of these things to try to hold back this mob of people. And then that C-17 lands. And the C-17 was actually landing there to resupply the servicemen that were on the ground there. They were bringing MREs, they were bringing water, they were bringing things that all of the guys who were who were there trying to hold back this horde, they were bringing resupply for them. But they couldn't stop the plane because they were like, if, if we stop the plane, they kept calling to the control tower to say, control tower, can you help us with these people surrounding the plane? And finally, the control tower said, take off. We can't help you. The The airport has com, has been completely overrun. We have no way to move these people out of the way. So then they have to take off, but they can't take off because the runway is covered in people. So they have to take off two, two uh, helicopters. I forget the kind that they mentioned, but two helicopters and those helicopters fly to the end of the runway and they turn around and they come back over the runway at like 15 or 20 feet, so really low. And what they're trying to do is use the, the downward blast of air from the props on the helicopters to push people off of the runway so that the C-17 can take off again. Because the, the C-17 can't stop rolling. Because if it stops rolling, they're afraid the people are going to start to open the doors and come into the aircraft. So they can't stop the plane. These two helicopters come down the runway really, really low using the, the uh, air from the props of the helicopters to essentially scare people and scatter them to each side of the runway. They finally do this enough where the C-17 can actually begin to pick up speed to take off. And those are the videos that we saw where people had their cell phones out and there's people clinging to the side of this plane, people clinging to the landing gear. And a number of them went up into the air with the plane and they died. They fell off and fell to their death. But th that entire fiasco was brought about by the Biden administration and President Biden himself, his complete unwillingness to listen to any of his military advisors. He thought he knew better. He thought he was getting out of Afghanistan and it was going to be a political win for him because it was coming up on the anniversary of 9-11 and he was going to be able to say, we got out and stand up there and try to take a victory lap over what he did. And then you had images of people falling off of airplanes after they had just said, we are not going to have a rerun of what we saw in Saigon and Vietnam when we had that times two. It was a bigger mess than we had in what was in Saigon. But this book is unbelievable. And it just reminded me, I took down some notes. It just reminded me of how stupendously incompetent Joe Biden is. Stupendously incompetent, famously stupid. And I think when I say that, and I say this all the time, people don't appreciate how stupid this man is. He is stupid on another level. But if we just think about Afghanistan, we had the bomb, 
that killed those 13 service members, right? Then we had a retaliatory drone strike that killed zero terrorists and 10 civilians, including seven children. Some of you probably don't even know about this stuff because the media doesn't even cover it. They don't even talk about it. We had a White House that was unconcerned with the hundreds of Americans that were still trapped inside the country when we left. They didn't even want to talk about it. They just wanted to move on. We had the Afghan citizens that were clinging to the departing U.S. military planes, some of them falling to their deaths. We left num- a large number of former Afghan allies. We left them behind at the mercy of the Taliban. And not only that, when we left the, uh, when we left the embassy, they didn't have procedures and protocols in place to destroy all the documentation that was there that we had regarding who in the Afghan civilian population was working with us to help us out in terms of information that we needed. And additionally, who was in with the Taliban that was working with us to give us information in regard to the stuff that we needed to, to operate effectively uh, in the theater there. So all of that information, we left it behind without destroying it in the embassy because it was such a panic to get people out of the embassy And we were so understaffed in terms of the number of military personnel and the number of military aircraft that we needed um, in theater to evacuate the embassy. So they had uh, helicopters, marine helicopters that were running, they ran for 23 hours straight, taking trips back and forth from the embassy to the airport, embassy to the airport, to the embassy to the airport, to the embassy to the airport, just back and forth. That's all they did. And then at the embassy, they realized as they were doing this, Nobody was keeping track as of who had left. So they had no idea when they were actually supposed to be finished because nobody was keeping a head count. Okay, who has gone and who has, who's left? It was mass panic, mass panic. And all of this brought to you by the Biden administration. All of this brought to you by Joe Biden. So we had all of those folks who helped us over there that we left the information behind. And then what did the Taliban do? They went through the embassy. They got the information. They hunted down the people that helped us and they killed them. And they killed them. And Joe Biden, thank you. We also left behind billions of dollars worth of military equipment that we just abandoned over there. We essentially armed the Taliban with all of our weaponry. All the women and girls were forced to drop out of schools. Um, it's just insane. It's undeniable that the calamity over there was it was a consequence of the the combination of i mean just Joe Biden's complete incompetence i mean complete and utter incompetence and his senility it's truly a wonder it's truly a wonder that he is so famously stupid and incompetent beyond words that people just they you know people who elected him i don't think have any idea what a knuckle dragging moron he is they believe that he wouldn't have made it in washington for so long i mean he was originally elected in 1972 folks 1972 he has been there for that long he has been on every side of every issue he has no belief system he believes whatever is convenient for him whatever is convenient for joe in the moment is what he needs to do need to support the kkk and segregation no problem he's been on that side of the issue need to support traditional marriage no problem he's been on that side of the issue need to support gay marriage no problem need to support cutting off the genitals of children no sweat The 80-year-old Joe Biden, suddenly, who's been in office since 1972, now supports the cutting off of genitals of children.
This is a person with no moral compass, no character. He's a criminal in a suit like any other mob boss. It's just what it is. The guy is a clown. And he came out yesterday and gave a speech. He was in Philadelphia, and he gave a speech to union workers talking about he's just union union Joe. He's riding the railroad, right? He wears that stupid Amtrak hat, and he's just union Joe. I mean, think, think about... The and the I don't understand the people who go to these rallies. The border is wide open. The border is wide open. All of these people that have all of these union jobs, all of these illegals that are coming across into the country that are looking for work, whose wages do you think that they push down? All of these illegals push down the wages of all of these quote unquote union workers that Joe claims to care so much about. He's union Joe. He's the guy, right? Let's listen to Union Joe spew some lies from his speech yesterday in uh, Philadelphia. And I have. You know, there are a lot of politicians in this country who don't know how to say the word union. They talk about labor. They don't say union. It's union. I'm one of them. I'm proud to say union. I'm proud to be the most pro-union president, according to the experts about in American history. He can't even complete a sentence, folks. Are you listening to this? His words just run together like he has oatmeal in his mouth. <laughs> union, union, I'm proud to be union president. This is the one in history. It's incredible. And, I, and by the way, I make no bones about that. Folks, in this labor day, let me tell you what we're celebrating. We're celebrating jobs, good-paying jobs, jobs you can raise a family on, union jobs. How do you folks feel about that? You folks that are out there trying to afford gas, trying to afford food, trying to afford rent, trying to afford insurance, trying to, you were thinking about buying a house or maybe thinking of selling your house, and now you can't because interest rates are 8%. How do you feel about that, the fact that you can afford your life under Joe Biden, that things are so much better under him than they were under Donald Trump? <clears throat> I'm not saying you have to love Donald Trump. All I'm saying is that there are certain things that are blatantly obvious to anybody who's just generally paying attention. That when you walk out of that grocery store, you know you paid a lot of money for that bag of groceries and you felt it. And when you sit down and you look at your budget every month, you realize that, holy cow, everything is costing me way more than it used to. But here's Joe. Here's Joe telling you how much better off you are. You've heard me say it before, but my dad used to have an expression, I swear to God. He'd say, Joey, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck, for real. For real. About a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's the it's same old stories, folks. Hands, and it's going to be okay and mean it when you say it. And he was right. This guy's just a fraud. I'm determined to make that a reality for every family in this country. Right. And we are making it a reality. Nearly 13,500,000 jobs just since you got me sworn in in, in January of 2020. Okay, Joe, you weren't sworn in in January of 2020. You were sworn in in January of 2021. But who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So you weren't sworn in in January of 2020, and you didn't create all those jobs. People essentially went back to work after COVID. Now he's going to proceed with his next slide to say that the guy before him actually lost more jobs in his tenure uh, than he created. The same as Herbert Hoover. But the problem is, Joe, that there was this thing. You probably heard of it. It's called COVID. Your wife has it again, right? She's got her two shots and then she's got, I don't know, multiple boosters after that and she's got COVID again. Nobody cares that she's got COVID. COVID is now a cold. 
COVID, right? Do, do people call each other and tell them they have colds? Do we see it on the news? Who has a cold? Who doesn't have a cold? She has a cold. 800,000 new manufacturing jobs. Uh, uh. But you wouldn't know from all the negative news you hear. Yeah. But we're getting through this one of the greatest job creation periods in American history. For real, that's a fact. For real. And you know, it wasn't that long ago we were losing jobs in this country. In fact, the guy who held this job before me was just one of two presidents in history. He was one of, no, but here's an important point, one of two presidents that left office with fewer jobs in America than when he got elected office. Why do you think that is, Joe? Think there might have been something called COVID. You think there might have been something called COVID. Even, even your, your vice president <laughs> <laughs> knows that there was this thing called COVID. And that's the reason that there were fewer jobs when Trump left office. But, folks... Don't forget, I played that for you, and the reason I played it is... It's time to be dumber. Could you, like, totally make me dumber? I just did make you dumber. With audio sound bites from Joe Bite Me. Email Ritz, you mentioned in one of your shows that you were going to the range with a Glock. Oh, yes, I did mention that. Thank you for asking. Which Glock is it, and why did you choose that one? Do you have any others? Frank... Frank, it is a Glock 19. Uh, I chose it. Why did I choose it? I chose it because the Glocks have a really good performance record. They never jam. Uh, regardless, you can shoot them underwater. You can pretty much do whatever you want with them, and they're going to fire. Um, I'm not... I don't clean it as often as I should, so I figured I would get a Glock. Plus, I just wanted to try the Glocks. I'd heard a lot about the Glocks. Uh, that's why I picked it. I had heard a lot about it. I heard a lot of good things about it and decided to go with the Glock. Do I have any others? I don't. This is actually the first handgun that I've purchased. I mean, I've fired handguns in my life. Mostly, it's been in the military. Yeehaw! Uh, in the military, but the, that was 9mm. That was the uh, Beretta at the time that uh, I was in. Um, it's actually, so it's nine millimeter. I actually have fired at the range. The range I go to, you can rent, you can rent pistols while you're there. And, uh, the 10 millimeter Glock, I found that I actually, I think I prefer it. I think I prefer the 10 millimeter cartridge over the nine millimeter cartridge. It's just a little, a little beefier. Uh, so I think I may actually trade in the Glock that I have for a 10 millimeter, um, and go from there. I went to the gun show down here over the weekend. It, for all those who don't know, if you don't live in Florida, if you go to floridagunshows.com, you will see, you will see a schedule of all of the gun shows that you can go to. And math is basically racist for two plus two might actually equal five. And there'll be no one there saying that math is racist. <laughs> You'll be surrounded by people who are second amendment loving Americans who love the second amendment as much as you do. They do concealed carry courses there. Uh, they have pretty much every weapon you can think of. They had a couple of pistols. I will say the people who love Trump love Trump. They had a couple of pistols that were engraved with Trump's face. I will, <laughs> I'll actually put a picture of it uh, up on the post with this podcast and in the show notes. Uh, they had one that was a nine millimeter, was nine hundred bucks, and they had another one that was a forty-five. I think it was a forty-five ACP, uh, and it was nineteen hundred dollars. Uh, aside from the fact that I wouldn't buy a pistol that had Trump engraved on the side of it, I will say that the uh, the craftsmanship was actually kind of amazing. 
uh, it's super impressive what people uh, what people are able to do. I picked up some ammunition. The main reason I go is for ammunition. I mean, I, I always like to look at what people are selling and all the interesting stuff. But I went to buy ammunition, and I actually think I did pretty well. I got a thousand rounds of nine millimeter, uh, and I paid three hundred and twenty bucks. So about what thirty two cents a bullet. Uh, which I think is pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that price. Um, I will. I was like looking at the bulk ammunition that was there, and I will say, so there's two rounds that I always look and I, sh- I shake my head when I think to myself, man, it's super expensive. The 300 blackout, 300 blackout was a dollar per, per bullet, which is crazy, a dollar per bullet. And the other one is a 6.5 round, which is anywhere between a dollar and a dollar fifty a bullet, which to me is insane insane. Uh, more email. Ritz, you didn't like the terminal list on Amazon. Did you watch it? I thought it was very good. Beth. Beth, um, I did watch it. I, I can't say that I watched all of it. I thought it was okay, but as with many screen adaptations from books, I think it fell short. It's really hard to compete with a book in my mind. I mean, when you're, when you're reading uh, fiction, your imagination is creating the scene for you, and that's why a good author who can... Uh, have a narrative that A, carries the story along, and B, provides just enough information for you to create the scene in your head, I think it's super difficult to to compete with that on the big screen. It's really difficult to compete with that if you're talking about horror. Because if you read a book like Salem's Lot by uh, Stephen King, which I highly recommend, by the way, Salem's Lot is probably the probably probably is probably the only uh, horror book that I read that has that kept me up after I read it <laughs> as like as an adult. You are one <laughs> pathetic loser. It kept me awake after I read it. That was one disturbing book. Uh, I actually saw a TED talk recently that was talking about reading fiction that was super interesting. And it was just talking about how as much as people read nonfiction and nonfiction is important to read, that actually reading fiction can, studies have shown that it can make people actually more empathetic to other people, which I thought was super interesting. Uh, Just because it, it, it requires you, again, to paint that image in your head and then to essentially place yourself uh, in that image, which I thought was uh, super interesting. But uh, I'll link to that as well, the uh, the TED Talk. Uh, what else do we got, folks? Uh, from the New York Post, more than two-thirds of adults, 68%, sometimes feel as awkward as they did in their teens. I thought this was uh, sort of an interesting piece from the Post. A survey of 2,000 U.S. respondents from 25 to 45 found that as teens, people were most self-conscious about their body shape, 65%, hairstyle, 61% and smile 61%. As many continue to feel this way despite the average person feeling at their most awkward at age 17. Did I feel awkward at age 17? I don't remember. I truly don't remember when I felt the most awkward. 17 I was a junior in high school. Hmm, I don't think so. I think actually it was before that. I think I was probably my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah, because my mother died when I was in eighth grade. Sorry to be a downer. No downers when I was in eighth grade. So ninth and 10th grade were a little little hard for me. Uh, The piece continues. As adults, over half are still uncomfortable about their body shape. 55%, hairstyle, 53%, and smile, 52%. More men than women are currently self-conscious about their glasses and contact lenses. 
More men are also more self-conscious about their height, their hairstyle, and their smile. That's really super interesting. More men than women are currently self-conscious about their glasses, height, hairstyle, and smile. I would never have guessed that. Never in a million years. My doctor asks me every year. He says to me when I'm there like for my checkup. He says, so, you know, what do you want to improve? And I always say, well, I just want to look better naked. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, who doesn't want to look better naked, right? I mean, we all want to look better naked. You want to look in the mirror and think to yourself like, yeah, I got it going on. Especially as a guy, right? You want to like see, even to get a six or an eight pack, that's a lot of work, right? If you can see the first two or the first four, especially in your 40s and 50s, I think you're doing pretty well. I think you are doing pretty well, right? I think so. <laughs> All right, folks, let's get out of here. Hero of the stupid. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Right. Look. And don't forget to get vaccinated for the hurricane. A vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. <laughs> uh, folks. We, we are not going to be able to survive another term of this loser, so he really needs to go. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Today is September 5th, 2023. Thanks for being here on the cutting edge of societal evolution with your esteemed host, Alex Ritz, the most handsome guy on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Please be sure to check out Ritz and Harry every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I will be here with the Ritz Report every Tuesday and Thursday. Send me your notes, your love, your hate, your death threats, whatever you want to send. Send it to Ritz at RitzReport.com or hit me on the socials at Ritz Report. Until next time, don't forget. God save the queen, man. Right. Ritz out. Ritz out.